Hello, welcome back to Revert. In the first part, we've been looking at procrastination. We looked at repentance. What does it look like to repent? What are some consequences if we don't repent and how we should practically repent and how we should not procrastinate in it, which is to put it off, to put it off aside, to lay it off. And today I want to look at forgiveness and I'm going to break this up into two to not take much of your time. To start off, I want to say just a little story that I read that touched my heart, that then inspired me to write a sermon about this. Um, in 1999, there was a family in India, a Christian family living in a persecuted country. And if you know what India is, it's made up of mostly Muslim and Buddhist. In January of 1999, Graham and his two boys, Philip and Timothy, they decided to go to a jungle camp. In other words, a Bible camp. And they go here every single year and they go there and another night goes by and they slept in their jeep and one of the nights they wake up to a noise a mob running at them with sticks torches knives whatever the mob had in their hands running at this jeep they run up to this jeep they break the windows they then lit up this jeep on fire watching these three people burn alive and then they leave as if nothing happened and of course the police's don't deal with this because this isn't a Christian country. And so after the people who knew this incident, who knew Gladdy, which was the wife of Graham and the mother of these two boys, they had a very hard time telling her that she's never going to see her husband, that she's never going to see her two sons again. And so one of the ladies, they get this boldness, this courage, this wisdom, and then they tell her that her husband that her two sons are gone. And Gladdy, just like all of us, when we hear shocking news, when we hear news that it's hard to believe, we don't want to believe it. She recalled, she called a bunch of people, she thought maybe they mixed up the names, maybe there was a mistake, but in the end, it was true. She lost her husband and her two sons. And the next challenge was not only going through this pain and suffering, is then letting her daughter that she was left with, Esther, she was only like five to seven years old, her job was to tell Esther somehow that she's never going to see her daddy again, that she's never going to see her two brothers again. And so she, she ends up telling her that they're gone. But then she says this phrase, we will forgive them. And this little girl, Esther, replies, yes, we will. And then after they had the funeral service and she speaks at the funeral service and after a woman comes up to Gladi and asks her, how she could ever forgive the mob. The mob that brought so much pain to her. And Gladi replies, you have to forgive. You must forgive because forgiveness brings healing. And every time I read this story, I recall it, it touches my heart. It makes me really think of how I approach forgiveness, how I approach other people. And here we see in the story a lot of things and even just the fact how Jesus says you must be children to enter the kingdom of God. How? Because children, they could fight in one day and they'll forgive the other day. This little girl, maybe she didn't fully understand the full picture of everything going on, but she says, yes, we will forgive them. And so we cannot procrastinate and forgiving. And so let's look at that for just a second. In other words, it's making terms with someone whom it is broken with. And so before we even get into forgiveness, I want to lay down a foundation. 
we first need to see how does God see forgiveness? Because everybody has their own view of love. Everybody has their own view of the truth. Everybody has their own view of forgiveness and what it means to forgive. But let's look at the scripture. Let's look at God's view and perspective of forgiveness. And let's look at it. Why is it important? Well, let's first look at Christ, what he has done for us. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 to 8. Apostle Paul writes, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God chose his love for us that in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. A beautiful passage explaining clearly that before we were even on earth, when we were still in our sins and our trespasses, God dies for us. God proves his love. He shows his love in that he dies for us while we were still sinners, while we still hated God. And so we see that by his death and resurrection, what do we have? What have we received? We received forgiveness. And we can read this in Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. Also a letter of Paul. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Another beautiful passage explaining that God took our sins upon himself and he forgave us. And so while we were still in our sins, God died for us and forgave our sins that were so much that we're not able to get rid of on our own. This record of debt was really high and we'll look at it later in this part how big our sin was. And so what should be our response to God's forgiveness, to God's love towards us? If we open up and read Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 and 13, we read that, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. It's interesting here that this is a commandment of the Lord. God does not just recommend for us to forgive others. Because God forgave us, he's just suggesting that we should do the same. No, he's saying, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive also. When we experience God's forgiveness, when we understand and come to know God's love towards us, our natural response, our response should be to forgive and to love others. And a similar passage, just to confirm this, is in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And so we now see that God forgave us, God loved us when we were still in our sins, when we hated God, we can say. And so our response should be to love and forgive others. And yes, we will look at how, when. What if somebody does not ask us for forgiveness? We will look at these issues later down the road, but I want to... Just look right now as what are some possible reasons why someone would procrastinate, someone would lay off, someone would choose not to forgive somebody else. Because forgiveness is a choice and nobody makes us to forgive somebody. We have a choice whether to forgive someone or not. And so even though we looked at the Bible just right now that God requires of us forgiveness, why do we choose to not forgive others? And so some of the reasons that I listed is pride. Is when we think of ourselves too much. Is when we are on our throne of our hearts. It's maybe hatred. 
hatred towards this person. And when this person causes pain towards us, we choose not to forgive. We can't forgive them. Maybe we don't realize how much Christ forgave us. Maybe there's envy. And this list can go on. These are just the most important ones or the main ones. But I believe pride is one of the biggest ones. And if you look into Matthew chapter 18, verse 23 to 35, there's a parable there of a king. A king who had servants. And one of the servants owed the king 10,000 talents. He then required of him his household, his wives, whatever he had. But the servant obviously did not have this much of 10,000 talents. And so he then begged the king to forgive him, to put this debt aside. And so the king decides to forgive him. And so the servant walks out being forgiven from this 10,000 talents, this huge amount of debt. And he sees another co-servant. And that servant owed this servant only 100 denarii, not even a talent. And he choked him and he required of it him. And then after, when the king found out, he put him into prison and required him to pay it back. And so we look at the story that for whatever reason, the servant who owed 10,000 talents would not forgive the other servant who owed him 100 denarii. 10,000 talents is huge. And according to Ben Soldat, one denarius was what a man like the ungrateful servant could earn in a day. So he would need to work 6,000 days to earn one talent. And then 10,000 talents would equal to 60 million denarius or 60 million days of work. If this servant worked every single day, literally 365 days of the year, that's over 164,000 years. He did not forgive the other servant, maybe because he just thought he deserved it more than the other servant. I mean, come on. He owed a debt that was never, never possible to pay back. He possibly thought it was just, just to forgive him. But the other servant who had a lesser debt, oh, he had to pay me back. And so maybe someone did something to us, to you, that you can't comprehend. You don't understand why it happened to you. We don't know how it's even possible or even right to forgive them. But I want to just ask the question, who are we? Are we really more just, more right than the other person who caused this pain? Because at the end of the day, we're all sinners and deserve God's wrath. Yes, by God's mercy, we are forgiven. But at the very beginning, we're all on the same level, on the same page. And so it always comes back to Christ. And so in the next part, we'll look at some possible consequences if we don't forgive others, and then how and when we should forgive and practical advices that I will try my best to explain to you. So see you in the next part.